Well, I have a question for you. How many of you have a smartphone? Oh, here he goes again with technology. Well, good. Don't you love that bill every month? Isn't it worth it? It's fantastic. Also, we can have access to what? Lots of information. Lots of convenience. Some good, some bad. Right? But the idea behind this wonderful mechanism is that it empowers us, right? Because if we're like this, we can catch a Pikachu maybe. Right? If we're like this, maybe we can FaceTime with a great friend of ours. If we're like this, maybe we step off Pier 39 into the bay. Every tool has its pluses and minuses. Except prayer. We'll get back to this in a minute, but I have a simple question for you. How desperate are you for Wi-Fi sometimes? Now, I just dismissed all of our junior high and high schoolers. This is very relevant for them, right? But how desperate are you for Wi-Fi? Let me, let me just go there real quick. When you go to a friend's house overnight, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's your grandparents, and they have yet to install Wi-Fi. Next time you get invited, do you think about it? When you're booking your hotel on Travelocity, are you looking for that little symbol that says, what? Free wi I'm not making this up, am I? <laughs> Free Wi-Fi! Oh, that speaks. And, and pretty soon it's going to get so bad that we're going to look at download speeds, and that will determine where we book, right? Wi-Fi. One of the most powerful, powerful words in our lexicon today. <laughs> Why? Because it connects you. It connects you, doesn't it? You see, that's how we need to look at prayer. Now, that Wi-Fi on this device connects me with things that even if I didn't have them, I'd probably be doing all right. There's only so many times I can check baseball scores in a day. There's only so many texts that I can respond to. There's only so many emojis I can possibly drum up. Right? How much of what we do on this is just filling time, filling space, but we're kind of addicted to it, aren't we? Next time you go out to a restaurant and you're sitting waiting for your table, just observe. And maybe you have to observe yourself. We were somewhere, I don't know where we were, but we were in a spot where there was no Wi-Fi. And we all had to be without our phones. And it was a real struggle. <laughs> what about prayer? What about prayer? How desperate are we for our Wi-Fi? Well, the second question to that is, how desperate are we for our relationship with God? Prayer is the world's greatest wireless connection. And I want you to get that in your mind. I want that to be pronounced in your mind. Every time you're on your smartphone, every time you're on your laptop, your tablet, your TV, your, you know, how many 
devices, your watches now. I want you to think and check yourself. See, when was the last time I actually felt compelled to check in with God? A silence permeates the hall. But it's true, isn't it? How often during the day do I want to just check up on stuff, frivolous stuff, check in? You know what's great about that is because I feel connected, right? I feel connected, and yet we spiritually say, we don't really feel connected to God. Am I getting your attention yet as to how important prayer is? Now, have you ever met the person that says, this is stupid, I can't get this phone to work, and all they had to do is turn on the Wi-Fi button? That's all they had to, but they're like, this doesn't work. This, I don't know. And you're just, just, you know, it's five easy steps. And you're going to be connected to that incredible World Wide Web, right? The whole world will open up to you. Folks, prayer isn't that difficult. It is a challenge in the sense that it doesn't give the instant gratification that maybe the web does. It gives you your instant answer right away, right? Well, I think there's something more compelling about prayer. Because if you ever do get an instant answer, boy, now that's something special. But maybe you get your answer in different ways. I'm going to speak to this right now because it's not in my notes today and I thought about it after I, the Lord and I fabricated this sermon. You know, One of the biggest challenges about prayer is that we say we don't ever hear God. We don't see answers to prayer. Can I encourage you that just like you had to learn how to use Wi-Fi at some point in time, and if you didn't get your answer the first time on your Google search, right? What did you do? Did you just stop? Or did you go to another part of the search? And you kept going and you kept going. Can I encourage you? That's kind of a little bit how prayer works. That God may not be ready to reveal it instantaneously to you. He may want to take you through a journey. Have you ever found something that you had no idea about? Happened to me this past week that, that I was looking at certain things. Um, even last night I was looking at certain things. And the further I went into the search... I suddenly saw uh, uh, information that was so pertinent to what I had to learn. I never would have seen that had I not kept searching. That's how prayer works. Don't get discouraged because you don't get that instantaneous fix all the time. And we're going to give you something at the end today to help you with that so you don't get discouraged in prayer, that you see how it works, you follow through with how it works. So this morning, with the understanding that prayer is the world's greatest wireless connection, let's answer some questions. This is part two. Last week, we looked at how Jesus prayed. We looked at the idea of where do we speak. We looked at the idea of when do we speak. And then I think we hit a little bit on what do we speak. I'm going to go back to it this morning if you'll indulge me, okay? So what do we speak when we pray? Well, I had a friend that once said that uh, when you pray, you should you should pray with ecstatic speech. And I said, well, what, what is that? And, and he uh, said, shut up, hana, bada, bada, kasaki. And I'm like, what would, some of you just are like, where did you just go? You went off the rails, Pastor Jeremy. That there is a sense, I, I'll slow it down. I said, should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Kawasaki. <laughs> right? That the idea of ecstatic speech, whether you agree with it or not, it, it, it's, it, it was a gift. It was a very uh, specific gift 
in the early New Testament church. So let's not, let's not rail on that. But folks, that had specific purpose for those individuals, and, and it may be part of what's going on today. I don't know for sure, but here's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about engaging prayer whereby you are saying specific words that are connective for you, specific to your circumstances, the praise to God, the understanding of the spiritual life, and the navigating through our life here on earth in in an attitude of dependency on God. So that shapes this idea of what do we speak. Let's, Let's get some context to this. First of all, start praying what's on your heart. Have you ever said in your mind when you're going to go to prayer, you feel desperately uh, in need to go to prayer, but you feel like, "Mm, I don't know if I should mention that to God. Have you ever been there? Oh, man, this is God. That's good. You should have that attitude. but, But let me encourage you, read through just four or five psalms. Just four or five. And that's going to help inform you this idea of pray what is on your heart. Look at how Jesus addressed different people in His ministry. He always went to the intent of the heart. Not the shallow responses or shallow engagement. Right? I was talking to someone this week about the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler walks up and what's the first thing he says to Jesus? He says, good teacher, right? And Jesus says to him, well, thanks. That was really nice of you to say. No, He didn't say that. He says what? Why do you call me good? Because Jesus wanted to get to the issue. His first response back to this individual who's coming and seeking Him is one that opens the floodgates to say, tell me what's on your heart. Don't dance around. Get to the point. Because I already know what it is. So, speak to what is on your heart. Secondly, speak to what develops a spiritual relationship. 2 Corinthians 4, 17-18 says this, it says, we focus not on the seen, for what is seen is temporary, but we focus on the what? The unseen, because that is eternal. And the focus with that is simply this, Paul is saying, look, We're going through all of these hardships. We're going through all of these difficulties. The best thing for us that we have found through all of those trials, through all of those challenges, all of those persecutions is simply this. We focus on the unseen. So, in your prayers, what do you pray? We pray for health. We pray that our mortgage goes... uh, We get the best rate we can on our mortgage. Uh... We pray in my house a lot for healing of cars right now. We pray for... Um, I did a whole sermon on this back when I first... I think the first year I was here, I called it Aunt Betty's Lemons. Right? We always pray for Aunt Betty and her, her gout. Right? Those, you come to a prayer meeting, people are always talking about health issues and how they're feeling bad. And Can you pray for my Aunt Betty? She's got gout. Right? We get that, Right? The next thing we do is what I just did. You know, I got a horrible car and it's always breaking down. Could you please pray for my car? Sometimes that is the extent of where we really go. That's the depth of where we go with prayer. Fine. Every day your car doesn't break down, praise Jesus. And that's all you have to praise Him for. 
when Aunt Betty's gout, by the way, I'm not saying don't pray for those things. I'm saying go into a deeper, go into a spiritual, go into the unseen. Get bold with your prayers. When you get bold with your prayers, when you develop a, a, a deeper spiritual understanding of Christ because you're communicating on that level and you're asking for that, guess what happens? Your relationship with Him just goes through the roof. Your connection comes to gigabit download speeds. Next, praises. What should we pray? We should praise praises. We should pray praises. Say that five times. Do you have anything that you can point to Jesus and say, He has done this this week? He has done this. How many of you have done a really good job at work? How many of us have received some kind of an accolade? How many of us, when our kids come to us and they say, or you hear them say, something that's praiseworthy. Think about the joy that you receive when those things happen. I spent years speaking out at a horrible, horrible environment. It's called Catalina Island. I was suffering. It's my favorite place in the world. And in about a week, I'm actually traveling down south. Um, I'm going to be interviewing churches that have counseling programs because that's something that we're looking at possibly expanding into. Um, the wonderful thing is I get to detour for two days of prayer and fasting out to this camp on the remote end of Catalina Island, and nobody's there. They're hosting me, taking care of me, and I just look so forward to the time of prayer and fasting. And, um, and I would invite you, but then that would ruin my whole isolation theory, okay? But one of the years I was speaking out there, my son had just gotten to the age, he was a camper, and he, he didn't live with us that week. He lived with the other independents, and uh, we had a little conversation ahead of time. And it was, uh, Dylan, how do you want us to treat you? Do you want anonymity, or do you want to like, you know, everything is kind of, and he voted anonymity. And Janine and I's hearts just went, oh. You know, that's how prayer goes sometimes. That we get to that deeper thing. We ask the right question, the appropriate, the dangerous question. And sometimes we get an answer that isn't the one we would have preferred right out of the gate. Four days later, I'm walking into uh, the men's bathroom complex. It's two water spigots and a lit. No, it's just kidding. It's, it's a really nice, really nice complex. And, and so you can hear these guys. They warn all the students every year be careful what you say because we have all these open vents and anybody walking outside can hear everything you're talking about. I walk in to, uh, to shave and to, and to clean up, and I'm at the sinks, and I hear this conversation coming out of the showers. And one voice is my son's. And all of a sudden, it was just this beautiful moment that the Lord unfurled for me. Um, somebody asked the question about, hey, what'd you think about what the speaker said last night? And I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Or maybe not. And uh, this conversation ensued. I don't even remember what the first couple responses were. What I remember was this, that my son said, that's my dad. He had no idea I was in the room. 
And then he gets, no, it's not, no, it's not. And he kept going after it. Yeah, it is. That's my dad. Want me to prove it to you? You know, when you have that kind of engagement, when God hears from you on that level, when you hear those praises, right? It, it bonds you. When you offer praises to your Lord and Savior, there is a bond that goes so deeper, so much further than Aunt Betty's lemons. Do you understand what I'm saying here? All right, let's go to the next point. By the way, you can write these down. We do have paper in the bulletin that you can do this with. Uh, intercession. Intercession, very simply, is praying for others. Interceding on behalf of those who are asking for prayer. We have a prayer system here on the back of those cards. You fill it out. Here's my prayer request. You drop it in the box on the right. The staff prays for you every Monday morning. And if you desire for it to go on the prayer chain, we have something around here called the tree. And it's a whole electronic data system that kind of runs our administration. And we can put that prayer request on the tree and it goes out to those that are on the prayer chain. We believe in prayer here. We believe in interceding for others. And we see the results of those prayers. That's another way uh, or, or another idea of what is it that you should be saying during prayer. You can pray for your own needs. And by the way, we'll, we'll show you where the Scripture is on this in a minute. You can pray for your needs, right? Let your requests be known to God because He cares. The closing verse today will speak to this idea of asking. That God desires for you to ask. And He says, which person among you that, that if their son or their daughter comes to you and they're looking for this kind of help, that you're going to hand, hand them a stone? Then... then who do you think your Father is in heaven that He's not going to give you what you need? So we'll get to that in a little bit. Confession. The idea of confession is so desperately important and think in context often as we talk about this today about relationship. Have you ever hurt someone with your actions or your decisions? Do you really want to be around them when you know that there's hurt? Or maybe they've hurt you. Do you really want to be around them when there's hurt? No. By the way, there's a very simple way to repair that, right? It's called chocolates, men. I thought I'd get much more response on that, but apparently not. No, it's not. It's called confession. Chocolate. It's a good band-aid, right, women? Yeah, no, no, women, no women in here are going to argue that point, but it doesn't clean up the problem. Confession does. Ownership of the offense does. And if you don't deal with that, then you hold it. It's there. It's piling into you. And Christ says, just confess and I will forgive. You will be free. And we move on. We move on. This is what we also pray is confession. Then the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to look at that right now. Matthew 6, 7-13. through Is there anyone who needs a, would like a Bible and, and to thumb through Bible doesn't have one? We can get one passed out to you. Okay. Matthew, because it's up on the screen. I know it's a little redundant, but some people like to, to hold Bibles in their hands. So the Scripture says this in Matthew 6, 7-13. through And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. By the way, if it's in red, say it with me. Let's start over. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. 
Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask them. What a great revelation. That God in His sovereign understanding and will already understands what you need. And you heard my story last week about us putting up the light pole back here and being short one light. And this light pole goes up 25 feet. We have a scissors lift at one point in time. That's it. We don't have another light. We're in trouble. And it's just like, okay, God had it all arranged in the first place. He just wanted us to go to Him. He wanted us to, to seek Him. And sure enough, the light was in another office on campus. We found it, and it's working beautifully. But we could have just said, hey, we're putting up lights. It's fantastic. No, God said, I want to show you that if you just keep turning to me, I've got answers. I've got answers. So then the next part for us, by the way, the first part is what you don't pray. I don't know if you caught that. All right, if we're talking about what to pray, make sure you don't pray those things. Empty words, empty phrases. Now let's look at what Christ said we should pray like. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This morning, looking at that idea, we're going to break that out and, and look at the extent of each of those and, and let me do that real quickly right now. Number one, our Father in Heaven. It's a recognition of who God is. Start there. Every time you enter into conversation with Him, recognize this is your Father, your benevolent Father. This is He who holds creation in His hands. He's the sustainer of life. The more I re- remember who I'm speaking to, the more it influences what I say, doesn't it? That's important. So then he says, hallowed be your name. This is just praises. This is speaking to God and saying, you are great. You are the Creator. You are holy. You are set apart. Take time to say those things. Take time to verbalize those things. How many of you have ever been told at work by a boss in front of other people that you did a great job? Or you get your year-end review and it says, you know, fantastic manager. Or gets things done in a timely fashion a real motivator, inspirational. Don't you love to hear those words? So does God. And it sets the context of how you speak to Him. That's why Jesus gave us this pattern. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We should always be praying for the furtherance of the kingdom. We should always be praying in context to the idea of God's will, not my own will. Because if I pray that way, it's going to shape what I pray for. If that makes sense to you. He says, on earth as it is in heaven. And that's a breakdown of the fact that what God is doing in heaven, that we get connected to that happening here on earth. That His kingdom purposes His will as He determines where He resides in heaven, that we get in line with that while we're here on earth. He says, give us this day our daily bread. It's the idea of just the ask. It's the ask. God, today we need this. My kids need this. I need this. He says, ask. Ask for what you need on a daily basis. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. The idea of being humble. The idea of confessing. The idea of being loving. The idea of having the heart of Christ. That we need to pray that that is there because 
Almost every waking moment, don't we struggle with the ugliness of this world and the attitude and the culture that surrounds us? And it has a soot-like effect. Have you ever been somewhere that you're, you're driving through that town, you, you get done, and there's just like a, a film on you? If you don't know what I'm talking about, just go drive through Los Angeles at any point in time. I remember the first time we took a vacation, we went down south after moving up here. I'd been immersed in that junk for so long. And we're driving right through the thick of the concrete jungle. And I could taste it. It was so disgusting. It wasn't even real air. And, and that gave me this very visceral, real picture of what our culture does to us. Non-stop. So we need to be praying effectively that we have the heart, the attitude, the mind of Christ. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We need to actively be praying against the effects of sin and our susceptibility to that sin. Let's move this morning into how do we speak. Number one, speak your heart. You already heard me say pray your heart. Now let's talk about speaking your heart. I'm going to turn to Psalm 55. and I'm going to give you just a flavor of this. And by the way, I was trying to figure out, okay, which, which psalm do I want to use? I will tell you, like I said earlier, you know, just, just about any psalm, right? I just opened up, and Psalm 55 was the first one. Listen and see if you don't hear how to pray in these words. I won't say the whole thing, but listen. Give ear to my prayer, O God. First of all, the psalmist, David, is commanding the Lord to listen. Do you feel like you have that kind of authority? This isn't like this isn't David saying, "Hello, hello." Oh, if you're busy, I'll just I'll come back later. Right? You know, have you ever been like that? You like you had a chance to meet someone famous, right? And you're in this line, and, and then it gets kind of busy, or you're at a banquet, it gets kind of busy, and you're like, "I I don't want to I don't want to mess with, you know, the feng shui here. I'll just kind of it's okay. I'll let it go." That is not David's tone. His tone is, I am getting to the front of the line and you need to listen. Did you know you can speak to God that way? Not disrespectfully, but with a sense of urgency. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Listen to me. And by the way, hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. For they drop trouble on me and in anger they bear a grudge against me. This does not sound like, Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. This is real stuff, man. Now I'm not telling you don't don't pray the Lord's Prayer. God, Jesus asked you to do that. But there's a demonstration here when we say, how do we speak? Speak your heart. He already knows what's there. And if you're hurting, speak those words to Him. Cry out to Him. If you're rejoicing and you, these incredible things are happening and you see that God's hand is involved, rejoice. This is where we, we kind of, you know, reform Baptists in the room. We, we struggle in this area. Yay, Jesus. Yay. And then I'll watch you at you like a sporting event. You're like, get him! Right? 
That I don't get. And I think guys like me are responsible for it because we don't say this. Get excited. Speak your heart. Speak to resolve and trust. What do I mean by that? Have you ever asked a pointless person a pointless question? And you said that was pointless? Right? You know, I've got a, uh, I got a plumbing problem at my house. Right now, the entire downstairs floor is flooded and the ceiling has fallen in and it's just dripping and the drywall's gone and everything. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to my brother-in-law, Alan, about what to do. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying anything about Alan and his mastery of the obvious. And, and if, you need a, if you need help with computer, uh, he's going to kill me for this, but if you need help with computer or IT or your Wi-Fi, that's where you go. Who in this congregation would you go to if, by the way, that's not happening at my house currently. Janine's like, what? What's happening? <laughs> If, if I'm painting a picture for you, I'm using allegory, okay? If that's happening, who would I go to in this congregation? Scott. It's not happening, bro. Yeah, relax. Relax, it's not happening. But my question is this. When we go to God, you know, sometimes we talk to everybody else but God. And they don't have the power or ability to do one thing to help us with our need. Why? And Philippians 4, 6-7 says it's so great. Stop stressing. That's the amplified New LT message version of that. It says be anxious for nothing. Here it comes but with prayer in everything and with thanksgiving, make your what? Requests known to your neighbor who has no ability whatsoever. And just go to Starbucks sometime and sit down. I even do that to the people in the drive-thru at Starbucks. Not that I ever go through there, but... You know, they'll ask me, how are you doing today? And I'm like, oh, you know what? Life is great. My window won't roll down, so that's why the stupid doors open on the car. And I look like an idiot. Why am I telling this person this stuff? Here's what follows. This is very important. And the peace of your neighbor or some internet doctor or your boss will guard over your hearts in Christ Jesus. That's what it says, right? The peace of God will guard over your hearts and your mind and your soul. Go to the One that can make the difference. How do you speak? Speak to resolve and trust. The reason I bring things to God and I say them confidently and I ask with confidence is because I know He has the power to make the change. Amen? Amen. 
So that's one of the ways we, or how you do it. Speak with humility and sincerity. And you can turn, her, turn, turn to Matthew. Matthew 6, 5-13. through 13. We won't read the whole thing. You can just annotate that. It says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. In other words, they're limited. They're not getting anything. They're not getting anything from Me. Isn't that amazing? God actually says, Jesus is saying, but it's reflective of God the Father as well, and the Holy Spirit's interaction with you. Uh, They're not getting anything. Because their prayers are pointless. So, take note, don't do that. What is He saying? Don't ever pray publicly? No. He's talking about praying publicly pointless and worthless prayers that are there to not even talk to God. It's there to what? To make you look better. To make you look spiritual. It's for your pride. And therefore, the words are meaningless and pointless because they're not going to the Lord at all. So guess what, guys? They get what's coming to them. But don't be like that. And so he goes on and he says what? But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will what? Reward you. So one of the ways, how do we speak? We speak with humility and sincerity. I've hit this verse on about four different points here so far in this series. But the reason is because it speaks to it. That there's a level to where the Lord desires for this to happen. Somebody in our congregation informed me this past week, we, we screened the movie War Room back in March, and they told me this past week in a phone conversation that he and his wife have cleared out an area in their house to be their closet. There's nothing in there. It is their place to have this secret time with the Lord to engage with Him. Do we have to do that in order to have that audience with the Lord? No. The point that he's saying is just don't be like these guys and he's giving the huge contrast. Get isolated. That's why I'm going out. Well, I'm going out to the island because it's beautiful too, but I, I really am driven to the isolation. No distractions. And so that's another way that we can pray. Eliminate the distractions. Get alone with God. Speak with reverence and awe. Hebrews 12.28 I love this passage. It doesn't get enough attention. And just prior to it, the author is talking about the fact of of contrasting the nation of Israel and their uh, sojourn out of Egypt and their wandering in the wilderness and these experiences that they have with God at Mount Sinai and their They used to draw, or they did, they drew a line around the base of Mount Sinai that God instructed, there it is, and don't step one foot over that line because you won't survive. That's how big my holiness is. But come to the edge of that line with reverence and awe and understanding, and it says that the mountain shook. Not in the sense of, I mean, it may have been an earthquake that God gave, but the people knew why the ground was moving. It was because of God. And as a result of that, there was reverence and awe. Listen to these words in verse 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, 
And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Remember who you go to. I was listening again this past week, and us pastors are horrible at this. Um, my wife and, and kids have been telling me the past few weeks, actually right when I got back, they go, you got to slow down reading the Scripture, man. It's like you're just trying to get through it to get through it. That's the most powerful thing of anything you're saying. Let the Scripture speak, and they're absolutely right. They're absolutely right. And this is something that they're te- you know, they teach in seminary. is, Guys, you get so enamored with making your points that you just bleed through the Scripture as fast as you can. Sometimes we do this with prayer as well. And I, I, heard, I heard this happen on a radio show this past week. The guy's given his last ending point, his application, and he finishes, and then he finishes with like, and God. Father, we just want to say... Like, what did you just do, man? you just like, nice style, but what did you just do? You ran by God like you're like the Flash or something? You're running as fast as you can into the presence of God and running out as fast as you can. Reverence and awe. Remember it. Remember it. This morning as we close up, I've got a few things that I want to share with you considering why do we speak. Well, we pray for connection. Remember, that's why this is essential. Number one, God asks for it. Christ commands it. It's not passive terminology. But how many of you are currently with someone? Right? Um, I'll, just, I'll just choose a random player here in the audience. And now you're all nervous. Now you're all paying attention, right? Um, so I'm just going to say Bruce. Because I love Bruce. And Bruce is with Rihanna. And they are a wonderful couple. And they have two beautiful daughters. Callie and Rory. And can you imagine, you look over there, Bruce is there. And Rihanna and the girls are over there. Now what if they lived their entire life like that? And never communicated but they said they're married. Rihanna, you signing up for that? Girls, you signing up for that? Just shake your head no. <laughs> Bruce, you signing up for that? There's a reason he asked her, you did ask her, right? For the hand in marriage? He says yes. There's a reason. And that was to have connection. There's a reason that you sought God out and God sought you out. It's to have connection. And if we go to the marriage altar and we say, I do, then we're not done. We've just started. So why do we speak? We do so for the ability to change things beyond our control. To change things beyond our control. You go to the One who has the authority over all things in earth and heaven and hell. There is so much I have no control over. But the one who does has asked me to what? Ask him. So that's why I go to him. Secondly, for wisdom and guidance. How many of you are facing a decision this week that may impact the rest of your life? And you've got that statement. I just need to know the will of God. Well, that's what he does. He provides that wisdom and guidance. Look in the book of James. He provides it. His Holy Spirit with his word gives you that insight and understanding 
for confession and repentance. We already talked about this. Why do we do this? Because we want good relationship. We don't want a ceremony at an altar and then that's it. We don't want to polarize into individualism. And we can relate to this in our relationships here on earth, right? That when there is a hurt, when there is an offense, we tend to polarize and just become individuals and now this bond is broken and it's, it's worthless. And there becomes a divorcing of relationship. If we don't continue to go to Him and take care of the hurts and the offenses with humility then we cease to have that connection with Him. For vibrant and relevant relationship with God, this is why we pray. Well, the last point is this. Just simply, Jesus asked you to. Jesus asked that you would pray. Let's look at it this morning. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, ouch, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? This is why we pray that we might have that beautiful relationship and connection with God. And that's the thought I leave you with today. Let me give you some three questions concerning relationship. Do you have a functional or dysfunctional relationship with God? If it's functional, it means that you're talking with Him and He's talking with you. If it's dysfunctional, it's because you've stopped talking. So what? Start talking. When was the last time he heard from you? Versus the last time you jumped on this and talked to somebody else? When was the last time you heard from him? Right? That's the challenging part. Does God give you this audible voice? Email me this week. I'll share in greater detail how we hear from God when there's no audible voice. And I'm going to give you a a walk away right now. Last question. Really, the idea is this. Do you want that spiritual power in your relationship with God? If you do, start talking. What can you do with this idea of prayer is the greatest wireless connection you can have? This morning, I went and I downloaded three apps on prayer. Okay, if you've got a smartphone, use it. It puts you, some of them put you into a community of people that are praying. Um, now, I'm Android because that's righteous. It's just the pastor. It's just the pastor speaking. Um, I downloaded one called Daily Prayer. I downloaded another one called Pray Every Day. Sorry, it's truncated here. And I just downloaded them. I haven't used them yet. Um, and then I've downloaded another one called Prayer Mate. Um, I really like the Prayer Mate one as I was looking at it this morning. So. This is something you could use in when you're texting all day long, when you're on the internet all day long. Have it right on your home screen so it's a constant reminder. Oh. Remember I told you I would let you know how you can hear from God? That little app lets you write down prayer requests. And if you're going to it every day, you're going to be able to reflect back 
and say, what was the answer? What was the answer? And this is where we lose hearing God. And when we see that answer to God and you start writing it down day after day after day, guess what? Now you're hearing God's voice. Now you're hearing God's voice. Let me close in prayer this morning. And right after that, I've got just a a, a brief set of instructions for some very exciting things this afternoon. As you're leaving today, um, you can drop your gifts, your offerings in the box on the left. Uh, We do not uh, require, because God does not require, but I just want to tell you that I am so encouraged by the people at Conquer Bible that participate in this form of worship. That there's a joy behind it. That it gives us and entitles us the opportunity to reach out and, and help individuals. You're going to see in the announcements here in a second on what's called the Deacon's Fund, and I'll give you some instructions on that. Um, but Scripture is clear. The Lord would never ask you to give if you were guilted into it or you were forced into it. That's why we have boxes in the back. And so with joy we give here. And the Scripture says each one according um, to what they prayerfully have sought out God to give them as that offering of worship. So with that this morning, let me pray and close. And, um, and then I'll give you a couple instructions. Father, we come to You in prayer. We enter into prayer with You because we seek deeper spiritual relationship with You. Because You have the ability to go far beyond our resources. And because the result of Your work in our life through prayer, it draws us into deep relationship with You. Father, open our eyes to this. Give us a deeper conviction in this area. Let us be consistent and functional in our relationship with You with prayer. We thank You that You asked this. We thank You that You expect this from Your people. Let us grow in it. And let us see the results. To You be the glory, Father. And accept our offerings and our gifts. Use them. Multiply them for Your glory. And, uh, and increase Your kingdom with them. To You be the glory, Father. Amen.